Yes, kids five and under, I think we put a big bowl of uh, goldfish crackers back there for you. Actually, I hope somebody else, we've got an adult out there too, I'm sure. Don't listen to me. Um, I'll pray here in just a second for the, oh, thank you, for the this next part. But uh, for those of you that, we got some visitors today, so make sure that uh, before you leave, if you've been here more than three weeks, you're not a visitor anymore, sorry, you've lost the title. Uh, please make sure that you say hello to the people that are visiting and say hi to them. Okay, we don't have a greeting committee. You're all on the greeting committee. I just dubbed you greeting committee people. Okay, so uh, and if you think to yourself, well, I don't know if I should be the face of Edgewood representing Edgewood, get a load of me. Okay, they let me get up here and talk, so if they're going to let me do this, you can greet people, okay? So uh, I just wanted to make that comment, throw that out there. I'd also like to say for those that are visiting, uh, we're, we one of the ways that we preach here at this church is to preach what is called expository. So we work our way through the scriptures. And we've been working through the book of Luke, the gospel according to Luke. I, I, I forgot to double check this morning which number this is, but this is either number... Oh man, it's, so, it's getting embarrassing. It's almost number 79 or 80 out of just Luke. Woo! And we're only in chapter 12. Okay, so we're going to be here until Jesus comes back. Okay? So I, I love it if it timed out just right to where uh, we get to the passage where it says, you know, behold, you know, I'll be with you and, and I'll become the way you've seen him go, the angel, the way we've seen him go. He's going to return. Wouldn't it be awesome if we got right to that and the way you've seen him go, the way you've seen him go? as soon as I say that is when he did come back. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Let's build some anticipation. That would, that would be really neat if that happened that way. Um, with that in mind, so we're in Luke chapter 12 and normally I, I approach these things a little bit different, but... Uh, we, I wanted to really address a question because the passage for this particular week and last week um, is this passage right here. Maybe, there we go, Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 50, or 53 is where we're going to go. And there's a dilemma that's presented, and I, I tried to present it in a humorous way, had Jeff and Andrew help me out with this last week, that this idea of what Jesus is saying here could seem to be a bit of a contradiction to other things we may think about Christ. So let me just lay this out again before I pray. Luke chapter 12, verses 49 to 53. Uh, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? <laughs> no. But rather division. For from now on, in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. That doesn't sound pleasant. I took you back to uh, chapter 2, where since we just had Christmas time, this may have rung a bell in your head. The angel's coming presenting to the shepherds. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth. There it is, peace. And so we have this question, well, which is it? I mean, we were just at Christmas time going, peace on earth. We probably sang about it 
and stated it. But then here Jesus turns around and says this. Is this a contradiction? No. So last week we talked about ways that not peace is brought. And so we had three of them last week. And so if you missed that, I didn't upload it. I hope we're recording today. Um, didn't upload it yet, but there were three ways where we said there's not peace. One, uh, the Bible talks about war with family and others. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about in this passage. Number two, we talked about war with the unseen world. There is a world that is unseen. There are things going on that we cannot see with our physical eyes. That's waging. And we're called to fight against those things. That's there. That's real. There's also a war that happens within ourselves. Or Paul the Apostle even talks about waging war in our members. He sees this war waging in our members. I'm going to fight against the temptation to reteach all of those things because that's what we did last time. So if you want to hear those things, I encourage you to listen to those. I would like to point out that when I got to the end of these and I said, I wonder if I should just go ahead and split this into two, Paul agreed very fast that I should stop right there. Did anybody else notice that or was that just me? I was like, do you think I should stop right now? I didn't even get the sentence on Paul's like, yes, yeah, stop. Did you guys hear that? Oh. I just want to give him a hard time. Uh, no peace right here. Arr, okay. Actually, I was talking to him about that later, and, and he, he told me, he said, one of the things that was resting in his mind is he didn't want me to, if I would have continued, he said, I don't want you to shortchange the other side of this. And I think that's a very valid point. So I'm glad we did stop because it's important not to shortchange this other side. Talk about not peace. Let's talk about peace. In what ways does Christ bring peace? I mean, he says clearly there's some ways where it's not. If you think I came to bring peace the way you're talking about it, no. But there are some ways that the Bible talks about peace is being brought. In fact, I'm going to talk about three ways where peace has been brought and one way where it will be brought. Okay, so four things today. And I'm going to pause right now to pray that God would guide and direct the rest of our time together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you now again for your word, and I pray that you would be with us as we uh, approach your word. I ask, God, that you would uh, just be with me as I speak on these things. Lord, I pray that the understanding would be clear. I pray that you would just grant us, as we talked about in Sunday school, grant us wisdom as we seek to understand what your word has. I pray that you would be with each and every person in this room, Lord, as they're seeking to understand. And I know, Lord, as well, that some of those not peace aspects might be waging all the time, and we're really familiar with those. But, Lord, I think it's important, and I hope that it's important that we think as well about the peace that you did bring. Lord, help us to look into those things and what your word says about those things. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so, number one, let's just get right to it. Peace, number one. A way that God does bring peace, and I think maybe this might be one of the key most important elements Peace between God and the individual, and I have in there, by, by the blood of Christ. Okay, Now, with this first one, I know that last week was like trying to offer you a sip of water from a fire hydrant. Did anybody feel that way last week? Like I was giving you a sip, like, here, have a cool sip of water, and I turned on a fire hydrant, right? 
so uh, I have them around somewhere. I had a list of all the scriptures that I used. So if you get where you're like, hey, I didn't get all those things written down, I do have them printed off somewhere in the building, and we, I will find those for you and give those to you. If I can't find them, I'll print off another list. So I don't want you to stress about, oh, I need to write all these down. I've got a list of those references for you to pull up and look at. This one, I've got one particular passage. There's a whole bunch of passages we can talk about, talk, or go to to talk about this topic. But there's one in particular I want to look at is in Romans chapter 5. I'm going to go to Romans chapter 5, starting off with verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, and just to give, I know fire hydrant starting to is getting turned on right now, so I'm going to give you a lot of things. And if you have any questions about any of these, we have a pizza with the pastors question and answer time. So feel free to jot those down, and we're, I'll try to answer some of these because I know I'm going to give you a lot of information. Okay? Justified by faith. When Paul talks about being justified by faith, it's different than when James talks about being justified. Paul's talking about a legal declaration. That's his, this is a legal term, and he's talking about almost like this, that God declares, justified means to be declared righteous, that the gavel was brought down, crack, on the judge's desk, and there was a declaration made by the judge. You have been declared righteous by faith. Praise God, because if we were hoping to be declared righteous by our works, we would all miss it. Agreed? But there's a righteousness that comes by faith, and that's what Paul's talking about. And maybe one of these days I'll tackle Romans, but I don't think I'll have enough time in my lifetime to get through all of that one. So we'll, we'll, we'll tackle it sometime at some point in small ways here and there, and this is one of those ways that we're going to do that. We have been, Paul's been leading up to this, because this is chapter 5, leading up to this, what salvation that Christ brought is all about. And this is where he gets it, since therefore, and so he's looking back all these things, he says, since that's true, like if you just embrace that reality, you have been declared righteous before God, and it wasn't depending on you that God did it, he justified it, it was by faith. Since that has happened, and I'll talk more about how that happened, but since that has happened, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, well, why did I need that? Well, I hate to break it to you, but you were at one time, and this is what Paul's going to talk about, you were at one time, whether you knew it or not, you were not God's friend, even though we were singing that this week. <laughs> Jesus is a friend of mine, right? Like, at one time, that wasn't true. You were not God's friend. Our federal head, Adam, sinned and set the course and the pathway for all of human history by rebelling against God, committing high treason against the king of the universe, and he was guilty, and all have been guilty through him. And what's crazy is that even if you go, I don't know about that, there's not a person in this room that has not rejected the authority of God in their lives and been disobedient to the king of the universe. There's not a single one of us that hasn't done that. We are all guilty a hundred thousand times over. We are sinners. Have you kept God's law? Have you? Do you think, does anybody in here think that you could at this point well, maybe if I just start doing enough right things, it'll balance it out. I hope you don't think that. The Bible talks about even, even our righteous deeds, and Isaiah, even our righteous deeds are like filthy rags before God. Why is that? 
Is that just God being mean? No, because we are such selfish creatures that even the best things that we do so often, and you know it and I know it, have selfish, sinful motivations even behind the best of the best things that we do. Very seldom have I ever done anything with pure intentions. Have you? The Bible talks about that if you've even committed one, broken one part of the law, you are guilty of all. The Bible also talks about, Jesus talks about, if you say, well, I haven't done this or I haven't done this, he says, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I tell you, if you've even looked with lustful intent in your heart, you are guilty of that already here. That is us. We could dig in deeper to this portrait of us, but let's go back to Romans 5. I'm going to skip down a little bit to verse 6 and listen to this. For while we were still weak. Now, connect this weak. Don't think of it as weak like I can't do anything, but that's part of it. It's connected to this ungodly element. For while we were still weak, at the right time, the right time in history, while we were still weak, we were helpless, we were powerless, at the right time in history, Christ died for the people that were really trying. Is that what it says? Who'd he, try for? Who'd he die for? The ungodly. And then listen to this. I love this. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person. Some might do that. This is, man, that guy's worth dying for. I'll die for that guy. Right? Though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. Maybe for a really good guy, I might die for that guy. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. We were once at enmity with God, at war with God. Verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. So Christ, and for short version here, short compact version, Christ came to this earth, was born as a human being. He was God, but he was fully human. He lived birth, birth right here, lived from birth to death, and not one time did he ever sin against the Father. Faced all temptations just like us, yet without sin, across the board. And then there's a great exchange that's offered. I will take your sin upon myself, on the cross, and my righteous life. He's got one, doesn't he? He's got one from beginning to end, doesn't he? He's got earned righteousness. Not just righteousness as God, but earned righteousness as God in the flesh. And he says, I'm going to give that to you. And this exchange is offered, not by works, but by faith alone. So that you can stand before God and so one of the questions we like to ask people when, when people say, hey, I'd like to be a part of your church, be a member of your church, one of the things we say is, hey, what, what makes you think that when you get to heaven that your God's going to let you in? And the, you know the answer we're really looking for, and we're not looking for it word for word, right? But we're looking for some version of this. I don't have a reason other than Jesus. It's his righteousness. The, the, he is my one and only hope. He's the whole thing. I'm banking everything And I know that this is highly expensive right now, but you're putting all your eggs in that one basket 
the Jesus basket, right? And you're saying everything, I'm banking everything on that. That I can be righteous just not because of what I've done, but because of everything that he's done. And that is my one and only hope, right? Since there are, we have been justified by his blood, declared righteous by his blood. If that's all true, how much more, which I'd like to point out, and I don't have time to dig into this. Notice the way the word saved is used here. It's not used in the past tense. But since you've been justified, there's going to be salvation still happening in the future. And one of those salvations is you're going to be saved from the very wrath of God. In your future, you are not seeing God's wrath being poured out on you. Or as our mantra says, I'm a complete idiot. You can say it with me. I'm a complete idiot. But my future is incredibly bright. Right? Anybody can get in on this. What a great reality that is. Our, your future is incredibly, unimaginably, unearned brightness. All because of him. But I'm getting off track. Let's go back to verse 10 in chapter 5. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the whom we have now, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So understand this. In talking about peace, that enmity between us and God, what we deserve at the end to be thrown into eternal punishment because of our rebellion against him, because we were born into it and because we've lived it out, we deserve that. We've committed high treason against the king of the universe and all of his greatness, all of his glory, all of his goodness. We've not turned towards him, but we've turned towards ourselves and rejected his authority and done what we wanted to do. And because of that, we deserve punishment. But God, in his goodness, has given opportunity, opened up a way of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And if all that's true, you go, so what you're saying, Matt, is not because of anything I've done, but that he's not now angry. He's not now against, but he is what? For. I wish I had time to get into some other passage where Paul talks about all the promises are yes in Christ for you. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ has done. So the peace that I'm talking about here is that we are no longer at enmity with God. You can walk through life with this reality that God is not your enemy. He's not out to get you. In fact, the things that happen in your life, those trials and those challenges, they are never in Christ going to be vindictive or for your bad or for your destruction. They are always for your good and to grow you. Isn't that awesome? You are not at war with God. This week, you're going to sin. You're going to blow it again. I hate to break it to you. I know you, had, you were like, no, this is the week I was going to do perfect. <laughs> I was going to do it this week. No, you're not. I hate to tell you. I love your effort and your trying. That's, keep it up. That's what we're called to do. But you're going to blow it. I guarantee it. But it never at one point in the salvation that we have, never at one point does that re-put us back into a place of enemies of God. Never. Because Christ, if you think that it does, then what you're saying is Christ is not enough. 
And I'll tell you what, he is enough. For the most heinous of sins that you commit, he is just glorious enough. Right? So when we think about peace, let's not think about it. I'm going to talk about this in just a second. Let's not think about it as some... There is peace between us and him. Right? One way that God has brought peace is right there. He has brought peace between the sinner and the creator. We couldn't do it. We couldn't reconcile. He did it for us. That's the first one. Now, I want to move to the second one. But I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think about the first one. I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. When I get into this next one, it moves outside of the realm of how I can quite voice or state it, okay? Um, In fact, I find it interesting that when you look up the word peace in the Bible, you find the same problem. There's a whole bunch of different definitions for peace. I was going to put them all up there, but it's overwhelming. There's just the one Greek word peace. It's like, it could be talking about state of national tranquility. It could be talking about being exempt from rage or war. It could be talking about peace between individuals. It It could be about security. It could talk about safety. It could talk about prosperity. Talk about all these kinds of things. Talk about the Messiah's peace. Talks about the way that leads to peace, salvation. Talks about tranquility. Talks about something called a tranquil state. That's where it just stepped right out of my mind. Okay? A tranquil state. I'm going to be honest with you. I love being honest with you guys. I think it just, I don't know why I love being honest. I'm probably too honest sometimes. Am I too honest? I don't know. Have you ever, maybe I'm the only one. I'm going to say this and some of you are going to be like, I don't know, Matt, you're an idiot. Uh, That's okay. Have you ever heard somebody talking about, I just just had a peace about that. Have you ever heard that? Now some of you are going, I've I've said that. Okay, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to say that 99% of the time when people say that, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) What what does that even mean? I just had a peace about it. What does that mean? You felt calm? You felt okay? You felt, what's it talking about? Right? What really gets me is when I've heard people go say, you know what, I was praying about it, and then they go, I've made a decision, I'm going to do this thing, and the thing that they're deciding to do is clearly against the word of God. I'm going to do this thing, and I'm like, that's the wrong thing to do in my head, and they're like, but you know what, I just have a peace about it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Clearly, you're using that word, and it doesn't mean what I think you're saying that it means. When I hear it, I'm thinking, I don't know what you're talking about. I have many times in my life prayed for a decision, and I can say, honestly, here I am, 50, almost 51 years old, and in my Christian walk, I've never had a time where I was like, I just had a peace about it. There was always some nuttiness going, up, going on up here, right? Now, that doesn't mean that I don't think that we can have this next one. Inner peace, because of that peace with God. Because that peace with God is there. There can be something that we can call inner peace. There's a peace, okay? Now, what I'd like to do, instead of going to one passage, I'm going to go to several passages. And from each one of these, I'm going to play Blue's Clues, and I'm going to give you a little clue from each one, okay? There's a little clue. We're going to see it, and we're going to go, what is a clue about what this peace is all about? And I'm going to try to put those little clues together to say, I'm going to tell you right now, in my humanity, I cannot tell you exactly what inner peace is all about, but I think there's a bunch of things here in these passages that have given me pointers as to what that is, okay? Now, some of you, if you're like, no, I totally get already, 
I'm happy for you. I'll give you a pat on the back. I don't know all the time, and I love, the, the, I, I love to take a step back and look at the, the rock-solid details of what is this piece about. So let's go to the first one here, Romans 15, 13, okay? It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Now, I don't know if you're comfortable with this. Let's Let's look at this together. I'm going to help you, but if you see something that I don't say, feel free to raise your hand and add two. But when I read this, there's a couple clues about peace that I see here. One of them is that this peace is talking about is connected with my belief. You see that? Peace in believing. Okay? That doesn't get quite rock solid enough for me. How about this next part? I see, I see a connection to future hope and peace right now. Do you see that? So something about this interstate of... Tra- now, when, when I start talking that way, I, I'll be honest, I, I, I start to get it a little bit. Have you ever been wrapped up in the middle of a trial and it feels like the whole world is breaking down and you're like freaking out? Anybody ever have a freak out? And we're like, yesterday. <laughs> okay. Have you ever in those moments altered your state of thought, and, and I want to say completely by the power of the Spirit, you altered it, and in that moment you're like, you know what, I am so glad that, maybe it was a simple thought as, I'm so glad that I'm going to heaven one day and I don't ever have to have a, and I wish the green owls were here, I don't ever have to have a flat tire again. Don't ever have to ride a bus again. <laughs> right? And if there's buses in heaven, I bet they're going to be awesome. I don't ever have to deal with this. You ever had one of those moments, and right in that moment, you, you just, in believing, you turned your eyes, your heart, your mind up to the hope of your eternal future hope. Has anybody ever done that? And in that moment, I don't know how to talk about it. I'm sorry, honey. Felt peace. Anybody? Yeah. I think that that's for me. That's a hint. Now, can people find a sense of tranquility from other things? We live in Danville, Illinois. There's a lot of things you can do to find a sense of tra- tranquility. We're opening up another one, I think. They're trying to open up a third one, but they shot it down. We need some more peace and tranquility in Danville. You know, no, that's not. There, there's versions of peace and tranquility, but that's not what we're talking about, is it? And does that kind last? No. This peace and tranquility is something that is set on a future hope. And so if you're, if you're setting on a future hope, that means you're connecting, you're tying a little knot around where you're at today and tying it onto this thing however many years in the future and you're connecting them together. That's cool. That's awesome. And so that peace, all right, let's look at another one. Let's find another clue here. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Two things I saw in this one. First one I saw is that there's a, that the peace, that the peace is a peace of Christ, and it's connected to his ruling in my heart. One of the ways that this plays out is in how, I mean, my brain is, thoughts are, firing left and right and all over the place. And the Bible talks about, and I wish I would have put this one in here, talks about taking captive every thought and making it obedient to Christ. And so there's this, and you're all over the place, and taking those thoughts and making them, 
well, hold up, wait a minute. Sometimes it's as simple as saying, wait a minute. Uh, I'll give you a personal one from the last couple of weeks. Uh, I was hesitant to give this one, but since it came up this morning with music, um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I was listening to my, I got my songs going, I ride, commute back and forth. Sometimes I listen to audio books. It's much more beneficial. I should stick with that. Uh, but I veered off and I just listened to random music. And there was a song I kept listening to by Dave Matthews. And it had this phrase in it that kept saying it over and over again, where he kept saying, my grace is gone. And what I found at work in me is I listened to that and I kept thinking through that. There was an element of me thinking I'm short of grace. I wasn't thinking those words, but that was the impact it was having on me. And one of the things that I did to make my thoughts obedient to Christ is I said, I can't, I gotta stop saying that. I need to say something different. Find that praise music, right? That worship music the ones that point you to the greatness of Christ, and just taking captive those thoughts and making obedience to Christ. And I found almost instantaneously that disruptive element in my head as it submitted to Christ, I found this, the peace of Christ ruling in my heart. Again, I'm, I'm telling you, this, this stuff, I, bother, I have a hard time talking about this stuff because as I've mentioned many times, I mentioned it last week, I'm a math teacher, right? Sandra, I'm a math teacher. She thought that was hilarious. I'm a math, like, I want black and white. Boom, this is exactly. When I start talking about these things, in fact, I, anything that has to do with feelings, I'm like, no. <laughs> That's why I didn't go into literature teaching because I'm like, what? If, you know, I felt like this one said that. What are you talking about? But there, that, isn't dis, <laughs> that doesn't get rid of the fact that those things are there. And I, fi- I find these things that work in me. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I, I'm, I'm understanding. I don't know if I can put my finger on it. But I've experienced what this looks like. Let's look at the next one. Do not be anxious about anything. Oh, wait. Oh, I, I skipped one. Um, oh, yeah. Good. Hey, the one from Luke, right? Christmas. I can't skip that one. Peace on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. I found in this one at work the element of God's grace, that this peace is connected with God's pleasure on us. I didn't want to skip that one. I almost did. Philippians 4. I'm going to try to move a little bit quicker here. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This one I'm going to put on you. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. See it right there? Laser pointed right there. I'll give you a little hint. You can look right before it. Where does that come from, so to speak? Not as simple as a math formula. I wish it was. But this is really close to one, so I like it. Right? Where is it coming from? Where's that peace that passes all understanding? Where's it coming from? God, but go back. What, what, what are we doing in connection to this? Yeah, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, taking all those requests, let them be known to God. Right? There's, to me, I, I like this one because this is really close to a math equation. Okay, If you do this, this, and this, God, and, and it's not quite there, but man, it's really close, so I like it a lot. You, you do the, this, this, this. Do, and, and so I find I like these, and I go to these passages very easily because I go, okay, I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm this, okay, 
just take a moment. All right, Lord, I'm going to let this be known to you. Here's my request. There you go. Um, I'm thankful. Okay, God, I'm thankful. Uh, I'm thankful that I, I'm, I've thought of that verse. <laughs> thankful that that verse is in the Bible. I'm grateful that even now, Lord, you're, you're guiding my thoughts to think about these things. I'm thankful, Lord, that you have peace. Again, I find at work in myself, sometimes as those things begin to happen, and, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, those are workings of the Spirit of God at work in you. Embrace them. You are not, because you're just so awesome and smart, remembering to do the right thing. The very Spirit of God is at work in you, pointing you right there, bringing these things to mind, reminding you of these scriptures. Philippians 4, 9, just a couple of verses later, he comes back to that, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul the Apostle speaking, practice these things, keep doing these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Isaiah 26, 3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I like this one as well. Close to a license, little, how, how does this work? I like the ones that lay it out for me. How, how do I do this? Well, what, are we, what are we doing to be kept in perfect peace? I know it's not as simple as that, but in those moments of despair when you can't think complex thoughts and you need a nice simple one, this is a great one. This is a great one to jot down on a three-by-five card and just have it ready to go at a moment's notice. What are we doing? Simple. What's that? Focusing on him and trusting in him. Lord, I trust in you. And, right? I'm going to put my mind on you. I'm going to keep it stayed on you. Last one I have, I don't have time to get through all these, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. Jesus says just before he goes, I'm gonna leave peace with you, peace, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, not temporary, not, not shallow peace, not inhaled peace, right? But lasting peace, the very peace of Christ I want to give to you, so don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Peace is what I'm offering to give. All right, let's move to the next one. Oh, man, it's hard to move on. There's so many things we can talk about there, isn't there? Maybe we'll have some chat about this when we get a chance. Um, peace number three, peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm gonna move through this one a little bit quicker. Um, I wanna share a passage with you, and this is one that is unfolding with us in a present reality. Just listen to this passage. This comes from Ephesians Chapter 2, I'm just going to read 11 through 21. I'm not going to offer a lot of commentary, uh, just a couple thoughts as we work through it. Listen to this passage. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, which is all of us, because I don't think there's any Jewish people in here. If there is, awesome. I don't think so. We're our Gentiles, right? Called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. That's talking about Jews, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, Right? There was God's chosen people, and it wasn't the Gentiles, it was the Jews. Okay? Alienated, separated right, from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. All those promises that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, we were strangers from all those things. And we were having no hope and without God in the world. That is history. If you go back and read it, that is the reality 
of all those nations that were seeking after all these false gods, that was reality. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So this, this, bring, this, this goes back to what we talked about in the first one, but it's going to be expanded a little bit here. He himself is our peace who has made, notice this, not just peace here between us and God, but peace here. He himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law, commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. He might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Now, one more thing. Let me, let me lay out a thought here. We have a world that battles racism. And their solution to that is not God's solution. God's solution is that he has made us, he has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. The solution to that is found in Christ. Okay? The solution to that is found in Christ. He came, and so then that's what he does. Listen to what he says. And he came and preached peace. You see that in Christ's life as you read through the Gospels. He starts reaching out. It's, it's amazing. He starts reaching out. To, he goes to Samaria. He goes off to Syria. He's already starting it. And then what, what happens with his disciples is he, he's ascended. He goes, go into the whole world and share this good news. He came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. If I had more time, I'd just expand on this, expound on this. I just want to lay this one out here for you to say there's something that God is doing with his people as well. And we ought to be showing that, embracing that, and showing that to the world that we can have these things. We can be unified in Christ. And there's hope for that. The peace with God begins to develop peace with each other. Which brings me to the final point, peace number four. There's a peace that will eventually fill all the earth. And we can talk about that last one and what we're attempting to do in preaching peace and preaching peace, the peace of God, preaching those things. But Jesus told us, you think I just came to bring it right off the bat? There's gonna be all kinds of hostility. But one day, that peace will fill all of creation. That's pretty awesome. Paul the Apostle writes about this in Romans 8. He says, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. As bad as it gets, it's not even worth comparing to the glory that's to be revealed. There's something coming that's going to be revealed in fullness. And it's so amazing that the worst sufferings here aren't worth comparing to the greatness of that. That's what Paul said. The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Notice the, the part that this plays not just in him but being revealed in us his people. 
For the creation was subjected to futility or emptiness, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and it still is, isn't it? Groaning. This world. Not only the creation, but we ourselves who have who have the first fruits of the spirits grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the for adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies that's going to happen in our future if we go back to the old testament we get a little bit more information there's a lot that I could go to i picked this one zechariah 9:10 i will cut off the chariot from ephraim and the war horse from jerusalem right I'm going to cut these things off, this war and battle. I mean, is there wars and battles still going on in our world today? Absolutely. Boom, done. And the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. I'm going to tell you, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I can't wait. I have to wait. Can't wait, but I have to wait. Let me go to the very end. This last point, I hope you can feel that I'm not trying to explain the fullness. I'm just trying to get your eyes focused on there is, there's one day coming where all of this, 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 this not peace and peace that we live in, right? I've called it before the already but not yet. The, 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 in some ways, already. In some ways, not yet. This is the world that we live in. But I want you to have hope that as terrible as it seems, there's things coming down the road. Let's go to the very end, Revelation 21. And we're going to end with this. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to end. Do we have anything afterwards? Oh, we do. Okay. <laughs> you didn't tell me anything. And I saw John is writing this. Glimpse just a little bit of looking down through time was pulled back for him. It's interesting reading the book of Revelation because you, you get the sense that John is trying to describe things and he's like trying to come up with ways to describe it. It's beyond his ability to tell you exactly what he's seen. He's just getting these, and he's like, like this. And he's like, and then I saw this thing and it was, like this, and you're reading it going, that sounds weird. And he was probably thinking that when he was writing it. I don't even know how to describe it. He's seeing these things. But I, I love this one here. He sees this. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Genesis chapter 1. God created the heavens and the earth. And John is saying, man, there's, there's, this new, there's a new heaven, new earth. The first heaven, the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Don't think about the sea as like, oh, wait, in heaven, we're not going to have any oceans? No. For, for a Jew, the sea represented chaos. And so John's like, he says this in a figured way to say, the chaos is gone. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? So John, and I saw the holy city. New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, 
and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. How many have you shed and will shed? And death, I hate it. Death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore because the former things at that moment will have all passed away. Already and not yet will end and there will be an already and now here in our future. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said to John, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. There will be a time in our future where we will hear the king of the universe say this statement. Behold, because John said, I heard this. And then he said, I'm write it down because this is trustworthy and true. I know that today I've laid out a lot of things that I told you. I said, I'm not quite sure what this looks like. I'm not quite sure what this looks like. I'm not quite sure what this looks like, but there's something that's trustworthy and true. There's a king who will be on a throne and he will say, I'm making all things new. All the old, all the terrible passed away. All things new. Write it down, John. It's trustworthy and true. There's a peace that's coming. We wrestle in this, not peace, peace, but one day, only one, full peace for all of eternity granted without any shred of chaos, without any shred of sorrow, without any shred of, of pain, all gone. No death, no mourning, no crying, no more sin, no more double-mindedness in our own hearts, in our own heads, all gone, all made new. Set your hope right there. I'm gonna pray and then, Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you told John those words, that they are trustworthy and true, that this is a future that is coming. God, I would ask, Lord, that even though we are sinners, Lord, we know that our future is incredibly bright because of what you have done for us. Lord, by faith, Lord, we cry out to you and say, Lord, we accept us into all that you are and all that you have, not because of what we've done. There's not a one of us that deserves it. But Lord, by what you have worked for us, Lord, we are gonna trust in that and put all of our hope, all of our trust in what you accomplished and what you will accomplish. Lord, we trust in it completely, wholeheartedly. Lord, drive out from us any half-heartedness. Let us completely trust in you. I pray for those in this room that are like waves on the sea being tossed to and to and fro, Lord, I pray that you grant us some stability in your goodness and your grace in the words that you've offered. I pray these things now in Christ's name. Amen. No, I didn't tell you I was going to do this because I was thinking about it in the middle of the service. Oh.
Um, I, I don't, we don't normally do this here, but there are times that I think it's appropriate to do it. Um, so what I want you to do is actually close your eyes. There, there may be some of you right now that don't know that second piece that he was talking about, that tranquility, that inner peace in your heart. Or you may not have that peace between brothers and sisters. You're like, I, I, don't, I don't have that. I don't get it. That second inner peace, he said, you get because of peace with God. And I wonder if you're here today, if there's never been a moment in your life where you realized that you are a sinner, that you're a complete idiot like the rest of us, and that you have said, I don't, I don't measure up, and I deserve your wrath for that. There's hope for you. It says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, it says, actually, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. If today you realize that you stand as an enemy of God, today is the day you can be saved. All you simply have to do is believe that he is your only hope, that all those eggs can be in that one basket named Jesus. I want you to take a second. If you don't know that, consider today coming to Christ. And if you're like, I don't know what that means, come see any of us afterwards. I'm not going to ask people to come forward or anything like that, but I do want you to take a second and reflect on that. And for those of you that know that piece, I want you to pray right now for those who might not. And I'm going to let Ashley play for just a minute, and then I'll close this.